it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today to get access to our BSBOT episodes, our Discord, ad-free episodes, and much, much more. And you get the pride in knowing you support this stupid podcast about the New York Rangers all year long. Today we talk about the concerns, if there are concerns, about the New York Rangers. We talk about the game coming up Saturday night at 10.30 if you're still awake versus the Kings with our dear friend Mr. Dooley, who is a Kings insider. And we answer a bunch of five-star questions. Uh, a lot to get to today, so it's it's one of those where we just can't come on the show and just say, hey, everything's fine, this this, this team is so good. That is not today's show. There are some things to, to poke holes in, that's for sure. So without further ado, here's Mr. Mark Messier. Let's get to it. Here we go. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Cap, and I'll be leaving that in. Greg, how are you? It's psychotic if anybody has ever listened to this podcast at one and a half speed. I, I sometimes accidentally listen to my shows at 1.2. My podcast app started recently doing this. Like, hey, maybe you should listen at 1.2. It'd be easier for you. And it immediately uh, sends like chills down my spine. and I hate it. Anybody who listens to this at 1.5 is a total psychopath. Total <laughs> psychopath. Where do we start? Uh, since we last left our heroes, they uh, lost to the Blues 5-2. They lost to the Capitals when they were up 2-1 heading into the third. And then they found a way, found a way to win a game versus the Capitals without Alex Ovechkin for the second time uh, to win 2-1. I think this is the first podcast where we can come on concerned. Look, there wasn't a loss. It's not like a Monday night recording where they lose and we somehow have to record when say everything's okay. I think there is, there's cause for concern somewhere. There's some positives to talk about. There's some things to hang your hat on, but for the first time this year, uh, I would say we, we won and I wasn't like just joyous. I I sweat out a loss on a one o'clock on a Sunday versus uh, rather a win versus the capitals where it just shouldn't have been as hard as it was. But I, and I hate to come out of here, Greg and say, Hey, the kudos to Charlie Lindgren because he was insane, but we've just been getting goal with it for the past three weeks. I'm still not saying concerned. It's still not the right word. It's concerned would say that I don't have confidence in something turning around or that this is an a, a indication that things aren't good or if it's just a rut. I'm still in the it's just a rut camp. It's frustrating. I'll give you frustrating, but concerned, no. Concerned would mean that I fear the Rangers could fall out of a playoff spot, which they're not going to. Concerned would mean I don't think the Rangers could win a playoff series, which, I, oh, here we go. Ah, here it is. <laughs> it's like the slack noise from back in the day. People are going to have to live with this for an OT, too. I got I got one more episode we got to record on this. They'll podcast. be fine. Some uh, people are clapping in their car right now. <laughs> people are also checking their phones, wondering if it happened to them. 
for, for uh, those who don't know, Greg is recording on a laptop and his text, which he doesn't know how to turn off, <laughs> go through the computer. So there you go. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I love having the MacBook for exactly that. It's so much easier to respond to work texts when I'm already doing work on my computer. But I didn't oh. want to fly with I didn't want to fly with two laptops, Ryan. Just can I, in the can cart, I Greg. tell my embarrassing story real quick? Sure. I work in sales, you know, so I text a lot of people. It's kind of what I do all day. And I was prepping for a meeting and it was just like, hey, here's what's going to happen on the meeting. You know, this is our position. This is their position. No big deal. Normal thing. I have a great relationship with everybody involved in this. Uh, I sent that text to the person on my, uh, was supposed to go to my team to the other person, the clients. <laughs> and um, probably like, uh, I know everybody on an iPhone, you could just delete it, right? Uh, I don't have one of those. So yeah, that's on you, big guy. Yeah, I, it was like, it was back to like up, when I was on Tinder. Up. You grew up in a broken household, so you have the green blob as opposed to the blue blob. I have a Google Pixel. I really enjoy it. Uh, turns out, you cannot delete text. So uh, that was an awkward moment. Everything's fine. But it's just like one of those moments I wanted to just jump out of a window and never come back. Yeah. Worst. Terrible. Uh, can I read you the, this one of the stats that does concern me? Okay. This is from Shane Bullen. He's uh, been properly tracking this stack all season long in my replies. So I really appreciate it, actually. Uh, 12 of our 15 losses, 80% our opposition has scored two goals within four minutes. Nine of our 15 losses, 60%, our opposition has scored two goals within two minutes. And 17 of 41 overall games, 41%, our opposition has scored two goals within four minutes. Do you see that as a trend or is that just a total coincidence and we're just making too much out of it? I I would tend to think it's coincidence, um, but... I don't know. It's hard with that where what is a proper sample size versus what isn't a proper sample size. Uh, does it mean the Rangers are completely letting the air out of the balloon when they allow one goal? I would like to think not, but I don't, I can't think of a moment off the top of my head where I feel like the, I, I just think that's just happenstance. There is there's cause for concern for me where it's like this momentarily just shit. What the hell is happening? And, and chaos doesn't uh, order doesn't come back quicker than chaos. And I just wonder, it's just a simple, simple fix. Hockey timeouts are mostly useless. Just call timeout one time. Just one time. Call a timeout after, after they score a goal, two, three games, re, you know, get everything together. I, I know they rerouted, uh, not rerouted. They got things together versus the capitals after they scored. They didn't score again. Obviously, Igor was phenomenal in that game. I wouldn't say it was an all-time performance like him, but he did what he was supposed to do. Stop big goal shots and goals all game. I just think this is something simple that Laviolette can do to kind of control the pace of the game. I know not coaches don't do this. This isn't part of it. You got to be mentally tough. You got to practice it. You have all these things you practice for to stay to stay in order, to stay in formation, to keep the defense sound, which was much, much better with Capococco, which I'm sure we'll get to uh, in a couple minutes here. It's just a little thing that Laviolette might be able to do to kind of cure this little nuance that's been happening to the Rangers all season long. Maybe. I don't know. I... Is it weird? Is it weird to request that? <laughs> I, I agree with you that I think timeouts are overvalued in hockey. Um, I don't think there's any reason to save them for a situation that may happen in the third period or may not happen in the third period. You would – but. Yeah. I just feel like coaches don't like using them before the third unless something super dramatic is happening early 
Do you, so did I, you ever play like Pokemon or video games where you're like, I'm going to need all these potions one day. I no, absolutely I, need I these potions. Up, Ryan. I never played. Oh, them. sorry. Okay. My apologies. There's a lot of these games where you like collect all these items and you're like, one day I'll use this. And then you finish the game. You're like, I still have all this shit. Why didn't I use any of it? That is what Laviolette and timeouts are. Not for all coaches, it's, it's not just, not coach, just Laviolette. It's, it's every not coach. Laviolette problem. It's every NHL coach. It's every coach. I'm with you. It's like, I might need this one day. Like the game's over. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you, uh, what's the saying? You can't take them home with you, right? Yeah, you can't, you can't take the money with you. That's uh, it. Is it true? If you don't use it, you lose it. That, I think that's a fact. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I would like to see teams. You'd be more aggressive with their timeouts. I just think we're asking for too much in, in that regard. Kapokako makes his return. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, did not play versus the Blues, did not play versus the Capitals the first game. Mika Zibanejad also sick. Supposedly, and note not this is not confirmed, uh, the RSV, the flu is going around everywhere in the NHL currently. I know the Leafs were going through it a couple weeks ago. Mika had it pretty bad. I'd imagine others on the team are fighting it off or fighting through it. Uh, unreported, of course, at this point. But Kapokako returns on Sunday. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good. Just generally was more physical and aggressive than I kind of expected him to be coming off what I thought would be a guaranteed season-ending injury. Sort of shocked he's back as soon as he is. Vince mentioned that he could be back mid-January on our podcast a couple weeks ago. He was dead on with that information. Here he is. And he really solidifies that top line. Look, I know the Capitals are no... Like, obviously, they beat the Rangers on Saturday. uh, And they're not exactly a great team right now, especially with Alex Ovechkin out, even though Alex Ovechkin is having not exactly the best year as well. They just look a lot more defensively sound with Kapokako on that top line. They're, the the team in general has a little bit more control and he's going to have these next, I don't know, six weeks. When's the trade deadline? Sometime in March, maybe six, eight weeks from now. I actually don't know when it is. Uh, up until that point, Kako is going to have run on this top line and he'll have no, he'll just have all the chance in the world to make the most of it. And so far, obviously the three points, you want a lot more. I get it. But the, the value he creates for that top line who is not exactly playing at their best right now. Uh, it's really, really hard to understate that. From Rangers Muse, the Rangers this season, when they play with Kako, are 16-3-1. When they don't play, they're 11-10-1. So, uh, look, that's not correlation-proof causation. It is just a fact. It's just a fact. Uh, trade deadline, March 8th. Okay. So, seven weeks. He'll have seven weeks. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I thought he looked phenomenal. The the team just feels more balanced when he's out there where you're not asking role players to be more than what they are. Um, It's allowing Will Cooley, who is playing well, to play with more favorable matchups. You're not relying on Blake Wheeler nearly as much as you used to. You're not relying on Nick Benino as much as you were used to. Nick Benino demoted to the fourth line in that game. I mean, he's been bad. He's been. You want to talk about guys I'm actually concerned about? we made this point, I think, last week where... I believe it's OT. Was it OT? Yeah. Yeah, my biggest point with Nick Benino is I really, really don't believe he was brought in here to be an 82-game player. I, I don't think that was the plan. I think the plan was to get a good 65 out of him and have him fresh and ready for playoff assignments. And I simply think you can see he's wearing down, or should I say worn down, he just looks like a man that needs to be a 13th forward for a nice three-week stretch to get that mojo going. And the only way the Rangers could do that is if they get healthier. And Kako is definitely one step forward towards them getting healthy. I, 
I know the final score was 2-1, and I hate doing this because the scoreboard is the ultimate truth teller in all sports, but the Rangers probably should have had five on Sunday against the Capitals. Lafreniere was electric. Kako had a couple of golden moments that were robbed. Trocek had a couple of golden moments that were robbed. Zibanejad missed a couple of empty nets on the power play. I, I'm getting tired. I'm, I, I, I asked this on Twitter, Ryan. Has there ever been a more Jekyll and Hyde superstar in New York than Mika Zibanejad? It's, I can't really think of one. He has two is, settings. Can I actually say the only other player we've ever said this about? Chris Kreider. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Kreider's kind of settled in, we or at least we know what to expect from Kreider. So I don't feel like the lows with Kreider. Zibanejad, when he's off, he tanks the entire top power play unit. Dude, I hate to focus on just one moment of a game, but that power play, and I know you probably know what I'm talking about here, where he just makes the pass outside of the zone. You're yep. like, Mika, are you okay, bud? <laughs> what, what's going on? When he's hot, he's unstoppable. My man Supernova. can't stop scoring goals. Supernova. When he... He's ice again right now. Uh, and again, he was hot just like four or five games ago, 16 points, nine games, just couldn't stop. He's as cold as cold can be right now. And this uh, isn't uh, people saying, well, you got to give him a break. He just came back from an illness, this back-to-back. He was cold the five games before he came out of the lineup too. Absolutely. And like, I got to say this. I, I'm finding myself more and more annoyed. This happens every now and then where God loves Sam and Joe. And we both do. They're wonderful. They pump up Mika Zibanejad's two-way game so much that I think people have come to believe that Mika Zibanejad is this great shutdown forward. He's, he's an average defenseman, and that's totally fine. And that's totally fine. But when I, like, the people that were defending Mika in my uh, replies were all like, well, he's a Selkie-level defender, even if he's not scoring. No, no, he is not. <laughs> he is an elite penalty kill guy. Sure. But again, that. And the thing that makes him great on the penalty kill is not his defensive play. It's, it's that the transition he's an offensive game. player that can take the puck and keep you from having the puck. His transition game with Chris Kreider on the penalty kill is elite. It's one of the best in, in the game, period. Yes. It's what uh, Shannon would call a power kill. He Whereas, is not, he's not uh, a shutdown defender. No. And, you know, people all hate Barclay Goodrow. The one thing Barclay Goodrow does well, kill penalties in the traditional defensive sense. Mika Zibanejad is an offensive penalty killer, which I like, and I like that's in the game, but we need to stop treating Mika Zibanejad like he's this defensive god. And I do think this started with Sam and Joe simply saying, oh, look at the defensive play by Mika Zibanejad. He makes good plays. He's an average defender. It's not only that. I don't know why these quotes stick out in my head. I don't know. Do you remember when Gallant was telling Heedle to model his game more about Mika Zibanejad? And... Glance quote exactly was this is now look at that's a two way player that plays both ways of the ice perfectly. It's like oh, okay, well that's not true. <laughs> it's my my man has a incredibly heavy shot. He's becomes an absolute supernova, but he's never been a shutdown defenseman and has been exposed by multiple great centers in this league a lot. And, and that's not a problem. This no. is not me shitting on Mika Zibanejad. And he it's also has, not a problem when he's playing next to someone like Kapokako, who is a legitimate shutdown defenseman. Legitimate. Forward. I will say to to give some other people that do work at MSG a little bit more credit, I was listening to the radio call, uh, probably like half a game on Saturday. Dave Maloney's just going in. Yep. My man text, 
My my man is just going in on Chris Kreider. Like his game is off right now. He can't make the pass out of the zone. He's just picking him apart. And I I'm, I know Maloney's not under the scrutiny that the broadcast crew maybe is, but my dude Maloney was just going in on Mika and Kreider, and I I couldn't believe it. But it also he made a lot of great points where they're just their game's not clicking right now. Everything seems clunky, uh, and they need just a winger that's going to solidify them. And I'm hoping that person is Capocaco. I know, it's, but on the power play because you know. I focus on the power play for obvious Over five. Um, it does. It's not that power play one is broken. It's just that I don't think we realize how important Mika Zibanejad is to the power play until Mika goes so cold that he's a liability on the power play. Because Fox and Panarin as your rovers who get to skate around the zone and create space with their passing and their skating, that only works if the defense – they are playing against is forced to pay attention to where Mika Zibanejad is and almost play four on three as opposed to five on four. But when Zibanejad, because Zibanejad also goes through these periods where not only is his shot off, he knows his shot off. So he tries to pass more and it's almost like he presses on his passes. Every time this happens, I say one thing and that's, I want Mika Zibanejad to shoot the puck more because the only way to get out of a slump is to shoot your way through it. Keep Stop shooting. overthinking it. Just put pucks on net. That'd be great. But he's in this. He's in a rut right now where he seemingly doesn't know what to do on the power play. And I, I'm not advocating for breaking up power play one. You would just hope that Laviolette would notice that in game and be like, you know what I'm going to do, Alexi Lafreniere, you're out there. You're this playing. Is, uh, this is kind of where I was going, Greg. Yeah, uh, I'll let you finish. Sorry. Yeah, it, it's just I wish sometimes. This Gallant used to do the thing where if the Rangers had a lead late and they had a power play and they were up multiple goals, he would reward people with power play time at the end of the game. The one thing I wish Laviolette would do is it was clear yesterday that Zibanejad just didn't have it. This happens to everybody. Garrett Cole doesn't go seven innings every game. I wish he realized that Zibanejad didn't have it and Lafreniere was on a heater, drew three penalties. <laughs> so he looked amazing. Fed up Taco for what should have been a goal. Play one of his best all-around games of the entire season. I wish the coaching staff would see that and go, I think we should get Lafreniere out there for top power play minutes real quick. So to, not to defend them, at least to give them the logic, it's if we take Mika Zibanejad off here, we, we don't want to kill his confidence more than it's already killed. And we've had the number one power play in the league all year long. It ebbs and flows sort of situation, and we need to find a way to get this back to what it needs to be the rest of the season. I'm with you, though. I would have put Lafreniere up there because the one time we got to see him on power play one this season when Mika Zibanejad was hurt, things looked dynamic. They were flowing. And he just adds another level to that power play that wasn't there before. Look, Mika Zibanejad has a shot that is unmatched. There's no one. There's very few people in the league that can do what Mika Zibanejad does with his shot. Lafreniere adds a little bit more of a rover, a little more, more of a flow to the power play. And I think, I w- I'm not advocating for him to replace Mika at all. I just think you're right. He, the way he was playing yesterday, he was as hot as it could get. And you needed to put him up there. Yeah. Again, it's not a full-time replacement. I just want my coach to be able to read the room and know to kind of push the hot hand when you have the hot hand. And it's a fascinating – it becomes a fascinating unit with Lafreniere over Zibanejad where you go from having – it empowers Panarin to shoot more. And with the season that Panarin is having, <laughs> I think you want him to shoot more where – it does feel like at times the power play becomes a little too Mika reliant. Um, and it feels like everything is eventually either setting up Kreider for a tip or Zibanejad for a one-timer. 
And if you take Zibanejad off that line, all of a sudden you have three playmakers being able to have carte planche do what they want with Fox, Lafreniere, and Panarin. And Panarin feels more responsible for the shot taking. And all that is a good – this is one of those good problems to have, Ryan, where yep. I am complaining that – Dex, stop fucking texting me. Ah! <laughs> It doesn't happen on the interview, so that's good. No, okay. Right. We did that early enough in the morning where I don't think anyone was awake on a Sunday. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is a good problem to have, Ryan, where my occasional supernova number one center is struggling. Shut ah! up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, shit. Um, yeah, anyway, good problem to have. I'm not even going to explain it anymore. I don't know where I am. <laughs> I said, no, you're in the groove, and then... Uh, we end it there. It's you're right. I, I will give Laviolette credit though. He does have these this potential to say, "I know where we are in the game. I need to play the hot hand in Artemi Panarin. Double shifts there. We'll play certain defensive oh, pairings. I know it's okay. We'll play certain defensive pairings during. He, he does a lot right in that way, but just the power play. Lafreniere was was not given that opportunity. Uh, otherwise, I would say I'm still not. This team is is making me sweat. Like you're right. I'm not concerned. Will I do? I think they'll make the miss the playoffs at any chance. I think that zero percent. Still believe in this team. Still believe in the talent. Happy they're getting healthy. And even better news uh, from Larry Brooks today. And I, our, a couple of our friends have been following this very closely as well. Uh, Philip Hedo has been just been posting video after video after video of him working out. And today he was working out with Yarmy Yager. Uh, so it looks like he's going to be coming back this season again. The head is a whole different situation. We don't know. But at least there's a lot of positive working out uh, going on right now. So let's, we still have eight weeks to the deadline, seven weeks. So we'll see what's going to happen with Heedle very soon. Two things. One, I know he isn't, but you'd kind of take Yager over Wheeler at this point, right? That's not a question. I know he's not actually better than Wheeler. It would just be more enjoyable. You, I would have a great time. You would always. Two, on the Heedle front, I was thinking about this today. Speaking of Mika Zibanejad. Remember when we were worried about all the concussions Mika Zibanejad has had in his career? Uh, Chris Kreider almost was out of the league from blood issues. Yeah. All I'm saying is these things, they come and they go. They do. I wish the best for Hedl, and I hope he's back very soon. But only if he can. Uh, I do also want to wish the best for Jacob Truber and his family. They had their first child today. Congratulations. They named him Axel, which is... uh, Matty uh, Jack's on that one. Related to trains. (laughs) So there you go. That's pretty funny. A, that, that child is a locomotive. That's for sure. Uh, any other particular things we want to get to before the show? We're, we're going to be previewing the Kings game on Saturday with our, a friend of ours, Mr. Dooley. Um, I, I, there's just been a, a, lot, a lot of weird stuff that happened in these last couple losses that have just been strange and unsettling. Ex- no, for the most part, goalies just being incredible. I know. It's so lame. Bennington was unbelievable Dude, versus Lynn the Rangers. Was incredible. Was it? Uh, I think I, I forget to see the stat, but it was like seven expected goals for the New York Rangers or something like that against Bennington. That was against Bennington. It was like what seven? This guy fucking destroyed us. And Jordan Kyrie yeah, obviously that was had the negative against game. Bennington without Mika, Kako, Kittle, and Pitt Lake in the lineup. Yep. Um, yeah. They were playing eleven seven, and they had an xG of six fifty five. I think. <laughs> it's like what? Yeah. How did we not win this game? Yeah, yeah. It's so lame to come on a podcast and just blame the four-game losing streak and the losses in, I think, five of seven. or It's like the it lowest form of commentary. Yeah. At the same time, There's some more the Rollies have been playing incredible against the New York Rangers. <laughs> like, go back to the Canucks game. Thatcher Demko was on one. 
I, I was listening to the NHL Network. Kevin Weeks was going off on Charlie Lindgren. He was like, oh, my God, look at that save. And I was like, yeah, Kevin, I fucking get it. He's awesome right now. I don't, I don't know what else to do. He, he's been just making these unbelievable windmill saves, saves left and right. His glove hand was perfect all night long. So, okay, cool. Well, what are we supposed to do against something like that? And then, obviously, the Rangers let up two on Saturday. Find a way to win on Sunday, but it's just, wow, unbelievable performance from these guys. I know. And then even Saturday, was it Saturday that, or was it, was it the Blues the cr- or Saturday when Kreider went one post, then the other post? Uh, Saturday, he went uh, left post, right post. No, it was it was the Blues. It was the Blues. Was the Blues where he took the stroll down the locker room? Yeah, and screamed into the void. He, uh... He did left post, right post, and then I believe, again, he also was robbed right in front of Charlie Lindgren where he yeah. just said, God damn it, like very loudly. It, it's not – blame the Rangers for being unable to finish, but sometimes the goalie is just stupid. One other thing that I thought was interesting, the Rangers had 40 shots in three-plus games, lost all of them, and then versus the Capitals decided shots are for losers and probably took, I think, like under 30 both games. Very weird. Uh, I do wonder if the emphasis against the Capitals was just to play better defensively, though. It does seem like Laviolette said, don't take the risk you were taking before. Let's not go up and down the ice and let's just shut this shit down. Yeah, because that first period Sunday against the Capitals, I said this, the two takeaways were Alexi Lafreniere is here, and then it it felt like the best defensive period the Rangers have played in two weeks. Kako changes the dynamic of this team. I know people are like, he's got three points, second overall pick. I, I hear you guys. Trust me, I hear you. But there there's something about his defensive prowess and the way he controls on the boards that really, really helps. I don't know if he's a great fit for Mika and Kreider, but he's a good player to have for $2 million on this team. But also, I just... The expectation I have for Kaba Kako, this is kind of like when you have a really good batting lineup. I don't care if my seven-hitter isn't hitting 20 homers a year is go down the list. He's not more important than Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, Artemi Panarin, Vincent Trocek, Alexi Lafreniere. So he's at best their sixth most important scoring forward. I wouldn't even put him more important than Adam Fox. I wouldn't put him more important than Eric Gustafson. So Uh, maybe he's my eighth best scoring player. Miller might be more important than him. And Heedle's definitely more important when he's on. Yeah. So so I, I get it. I, I I want everyone on my team to score, but God, if my six hitter is just this gold glove winning shortstop, that's going to hit 280. I'm cool with it, Ryan. He's not hurting me offensively. No, he's not. And it's, it's going to come for him. It really is. It, it's there. He it has the game. To. The point is it doesn't have to, as long it as doesn't. he's playing like this, he's going to be fine. He's, he's worth it. He's worth every penny you pay him. Uh-huh. Every single penny. He produces that not in points, but in everything else, everything else. He's not an intangible guy, Goodrow. Thank you. Are we still protecting Goodrow this year? I don't know. He's been great right on the penalty kill. Everyone that says he doesn't do anything. He does something. That's for sure. You, again, two things can be true simultaneous. Barkley Goodrow's contract stinks. Guy's a useful hockey player. Stats don't matter with him. I'm kind of with you at some points where he, he is a black hole at points when he gets the puck. He's uh, the NHL network was saying he's looking for a goal. He hasn't really scored again. That's not, you just made the point about Kaba Kaka. That's not why you have Barkley Goodrow. And the crazy thing is over the last couple of weeks, I would say the second best offensive line the Rangers have had, it hasn't equaled in goals, but they've been the most impactful in the offensive zone has been the shutdown line of whatever line Goodrow and VC is on. Yeah. That line's been great in the offensive zone. They're not scoring, 
but they are impacting play and keeping the puck out of the Rangers' end. Let's go to our interview. Uh, we'll be doing some Kings preview, so we'll go to that. We'll come back with five-star questions. Transition. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. You can get the over, over six at plus 105 for Kraken Rangers on Tuesday. Download the app now and use code BSB. New customers get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code BSB. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after insurance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-39. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire in 180 hours after assurance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility for deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. Ayo, hey, this podcast is brought to you by TickPick. TickPick is the official sponsor of Blue Shirts Breakaway all season long. And we're actually going to be hosting a meetup game sponsored by TickPick. February 24th, Flyers-Devils in Philly. I'm going to be hosting that. We're going to post the poster sometime this week. So tick pick, meet up in Philly. If you want to go, you can use code BLUESHIRTS15 to get $15 off your order over $99. Best part about tick pick, the price sees the price you get. I actually saw a tick pick commercial on NHL Network this weekend. We're original supporters of tick pick, and they're getting so big they're on the network. From there, they actually the commercial's pretty funny. It's about a couple of ladies golfing, and she goes, oh, Tick Pick. And the other lady goes, what? Yeah, you get it. You get it. Tick Pick, the best place to get your tickets. No fees. The price you see, the price you get. They even do deal scores. And if you want to get tickets to a Rangers game or any other event, use co- promo code BLUESHIRTS15 at checkout. That's BLUESHIRTS15 at checkout to get $15 off any order over $99. We love the folks at Tick Pick. Go use them. Tick Pick. Love you guys. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, we're back with our first and only guest of the day. We have Zach Dooley. He is an LA Kings insider. The best there is. Zach, how are you? Fellas, doing great. Thanks for having me on. We, the Ra- we, because we, I'm on the team, the Rangers are playing the Kings. 
at 10.30 p.m. Eastern next Saturday. We like to do a couple team previews throughout the year. The Kings notoriously uh, have beaten the Rangers in the finals. Everyone, really, the Rangers are still pretty salty about it. A lot of Ranger fans. Uh, the, the Rangers now have Jonathan Quick, who had a renaissance of a year so far and has taken a little bit of a nosedive since, but things are still good on, on his end. Where do we even start between the two teams? What has been the reaction from, I guess, Kings fans? Do people even think about Quick anymore? And what was their reaction when he did end up beating the Kings? It was probably the most bittersweet loss ever, right? And the Kings at that point in the year hadn't lost on the road in regulation. So it was almost at first, like, of course it was Quick. Like, of course it was Quick who beats them after what happened last year. Um, But then from there on, I think... I mean, this is a guy who's a Mount Rushmore when it's all said and done for the Kings. He'll be a jersey retired, probably a statue out front of the building. Um, One of the best players in Kings history. I don't think there's anyone here who isn't rooting for Jonathan Quick. Um, The fact that he's in Eastern Conference now, I think it makes it a lot easier for Kings fans than last year when they were like, do we really want the Vegas Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup just for Jonathan Quick? Um, I think now it's like, all right we want this guy to do really well because he's meant everything to the Kings franchise. Zach, we're dealing with two hockey teams here going through the skids. Uh, We're recording this Sunday before the Rangers play the Capitals on the second half of back-to-back and before the Kings play the Hurricanes on Monday night. So things are subject to change, but both these teams are going through the skids. Ranger fans not handling it well. How are West Coast LA fans doing with this lull in this point of the season for the Kings? Well, I'll tell you what, Greg, they are not handling it well out here either. Um, it has been similar similar sledding, I think, for both clubs here. Um, last night on the plane was kind of like a ignore the mentions kind of flight. Um, maybe that's where you guys are at too right now. Um, it's eight straight for the Kings as of this recording. Four of those have been in overtime, so there's a couple of points in there, but as you guys know, that doesn't seem to tone things down at all. So. Kings fans are in one. Um, we're all in one right now. It's where the season's at. Um, but yeah, it certainly hasn't been a, a positive reaction. I have not watched a lot of Kings games this year, as I do not stay up for them. Uh, but Quinton Byfield notoriously taken second overall after Alexi Lafreniere. Alexi Lafreniere very covered by the NHL. Uh, three goals in his last like 19 games or whatever it is. I'm looking at dailyfaceoff.com right now, and it says that Quinton Byfield is the top line left wing. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, we actually uh, start games at ten thirty, so seven thirty local, specifically to mess with uh, East Coast podcasters. I uh, don't want you guys to works. watch our games. It works. Yeah. Uh, so what what happened? Because Quentin, for me uh, at least, was a bona fide center. I know he had a hell of a start to the year. He was breaking out in a lot of ways. He's still in the first line. What was the decision to make him a winger at this point? So about a year ago. Um, the Kings made an in-game adjustment. It was in Colorado. I remember it well. Quinton was centering the fourth line. They moved him up with Kopitar and Kempe, LW1, and he's never left. Um, so at first last year, he was kind of the complimentary piece on that line. Like Kopitar's Kopitar, Kempe's Kempe. Byfield did all that dirty work that gets no credit, but gets a lot of credit amongst his teammates and his line mates. Enter this year, the Kings acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is a center. They already have Philippe Deneau, who is a center, and they obviously have Kopitar. And Byfield proved to be such a good fit with Kopitar and Kempe that that was a line that the Kings decided to keep together. Um, it's a line that has a lot of chemistry, a line that's produced pretty well. And I think in the long run, there's definitely still some 
definitely still a chance Quinton could be a center. He has a lot of a lot of the traits that would make a pretty pretty effective center. But for the team right now, he's been on the wing. He's really embraced that, and because of the depth the Kings have, it's allowed him to play a lot higher in the lineup, play a lot more minutes, and the production, as you can see, uh, I think reflects that. Zach, let's talk about the good before we talk about the bad. You mentioned Anze Kopitar, who kind of hangs over Rangers fans as his haunting lore the leap the longer he goes in his career. I have a working theory on Kopitar that he is the NHL equivalent of Adrian Beltre, this all-time great player that we just for some reason don't talk about very often. That's probably true, right? Like he's just been good, really good for so long. And it's kind of funny, like we always talk about his two-way game because he wins the Selkies. He's a defensive-minded center who's also good offensively. And then you forget, like, this dude's approaching 1,200 career points. And he plays those 1030 starts, so a lot of people don't see him maybe as regularly. And, the you know, the Western Coast teams aren't quite the TV draw that the East Coast teams are for the NHL. So there's not a ton of visibility for him. But this is a guy who, in the 2023 calendar year, had his second most productive calendar year of his entire career. And he's 36. Like he was over a point per game in the 2023 calendar year. He's ageless. Um, you keep waiting. Like, is this guy ever going to slow down? And the answer so far has been no. I legitimately couldn't tell you how old he was before you said that. I was trying to guess in my head. I was like, maybe he's 39. <laughs> he could have been that. But it's just, he does seem ageless. Is there other, po- I, I know you said things are in the, the rut right now. Are there other positives to take away that we're not talking about that we should be? Kings penalty kill has been very good. Um, maybe the number one question mark. The, you know what's funny actually is it probably the two biggest question marks externally have been two of the team's biggest strengths. Uh, the penalty kill was under fifty percent against the Oilers in the playoffs last year, and the Kings revamped the system. They've come out and they've been one of the best in the NHL. At one point, they were leading the league. I think they're still up towards you know the top three, top five. Uh, the penalty kill has been excellent. And then goaltending, like the Kings signed Cam Talbot to a one-year deal. You guys know Cam Talbot from very well. however many teams and years ago. Um, he is an NHL All-Star. He's the Kings representative. Um, top five in the league in save percentage goals against average. Once you factor out the guys who've only played a couple games, at least as of before last night. And on a $1 million one-year deal, like that dude's been outstanding. So it's kind of funny is... Two of the biggest positives for me, even through the losses, have been what were at the beginning of the year like, oh, this is what's going to hurt the Kings. It's actually been kind of what's carried the Kings. You brought up the All-Star game, and this is an easy topic for us to all dunk on if we want to, and no one gets in trouble here. We just (laughs) do away with fan voting. What the shit? Do away with it. I don't care about the Canucks and the Maple Leafs. I'm not watching this All-Star game. I want to watch the Canucks and the Maple Leafs just play head-to-head. Let's have a four-team tournament. One team is the Canucks. One team is the Maple Leafs. And then one team will be like half of the Edmonton Oilers and a few other guys. And then, I don't know. Fan- Congratulations, maybe- you made the World Cup. Like, you just discovered what we're doing in the World Cup. So it's maybe four the- teams. Yep, four <laughs> teams. The fourth team will be fans that get to play because nobody Perfect. wants to go anyway. Nobody yeah, wants to go fans- anyway. So, like, what are I we doing? There should be fans that we, the fans, vote on. So fans that we want to see get hit the most. Um this sounds awesome, uh, especially because if you look at a lot of the interviews, I mean, I'm sure you guys, I'm sure you saw the Seth Jarvis interview where he's like, I'm going to Mexico. Like, please yeah. do not vote for me. I do not want to be there. 
it's, it's amazing cool for some guys, right? Like maybe your first time. And then after that, it's like, this is just a straight up cash grab for the NHL. Let's do away with it and not have there be 17 Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> Igor Shesterkin is going from the New York Rangers. He is the representative. I will tell you that he has not had the good year. He's usually had uh, almost uh, not almost a large amount of fans have yelled about him in my mentions for a very long time. (laughs) And for him to be the representative over say like a Vincent Trocek or someone else that has had a a better year than him is very strange. The last thing I want as a fan is Igor Shesterkin going to this event. That man needs time off and to rest. And I can't think of anything else that's the worst for him. Uh, Let's go back to what the bad is. There are two players that kind of have like loose ties to the New York Rangers and Pierre-Luc Dubois and, uh, and Deneau. Both were rumored uh, targets for the New York Rangers over the past couple of years. Deneau especially, uh, they, they kind of stayed away. I think they were worried about the offense and if it would ever actually appear. I know he's a great defensive center. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois, I cannot tell you how many articles were written by Larry Brooks or other people that uh, write about the Rangers saying this might be the next target. You guys, uh, I would say you guys, the Kings go and get the Pierre de Luc Dubois. And then from there, he's been on the fourth line. He's been on the third line. There's been a lot of, he's not performing. He kind of, I don't, I don't want to say, um, forced his way out of the Jets, but didn't seem like he really wanted to stay there either. So what, what has been the story around those two? So I think we'll start with Phil Deneau because I, I don't consider much there to be negative at all. Um, Phil Deneau has been, he's the, he's the do it all guy, right? He's not going to be an 80 point player. But he's probably more like a 50 to 60 point guy who kills penalties. He's a leader in the room. He does all those like, what was the, what was it with when it was Chris Drury? It was like, he does the intangibles, right? He's got all the intangibles and everyone's like kind of rolls their eyes, but he has all the intangibles. Like he's that kind of guy. Uh, The offense has been, I think right around on that pace this year. I think he's about 25 from 40 in terms of points. So he's been pretty good. He, He has a really good, uh, Really good chemistry with Trevor Moore and Kevin Fiala on the team's second line. Um, that's been maybe the Kings' best line throughout this slump. Those guys have produced and played extremely well. So, uh, you know, Phil Deneau has been kind of as advertised for the Kings. Dubois, the, the production obviously hasn't been there, right? Um, there was a plan coming in, which was to pair Dubois with Kevin Fiala. It would give the Kings three scoring lines that could ideally match up with any team in the NHL. The Dubois-Fiala pairing just didn't work. For whatever reason, those two guys did not click. They didn't play together as expected. Fiala got the bump to Deneau and Moore's line. And Dubois kind of had a rotating cast of characters on his line. A lot of younger players, some guys who are maybe playing up in the lineup. And he just hasn't quite found his footing yet. And there's maybe some similarities to the first time he was traded from Columbus to Winnipeg, where that first year, he had a lot of trouble adjusting in Winnipeg, he said as much when I talked to him maybe about a couple of weeks ago was, you know, it, he felt some similarities where he had a lot of trouble that first year and then he eventually did put it together in the second year. So I, I think it's a little soon to say like, this is a bust, this is a wash, um, but it's still fair to expect more from a guy who cost a lot to acquire and, you know, got a pretty big contract. It also doesn't help that the pieces that were sent to Winnipeg have seemed to make an immediate impact there for a team that frankly has far exceeded all the expectations. I think any of us realistically had for Winnipeg, I mean, 60 points to the number two team in the Western conference. Speaking of expectations, Zach, when this season started, 
I think I considered the Kings one of the eight best teams in the Western Conference. I would have been surprised if you guys didn't make the playoffs. You're middle of the pack right now. You obviously are coming off a bit of a hot start to the season like the Rangers had. What exactly are the expectations moving forward for the Kings? What what would be considered a down year in the Kings' eyes? I think that the Kings are at a place where you can't write off a first-round exit anymore. And obviously you said it, right? Like there, there was a time when I think the Kings were a clear playoff lock. Um, the eight-game losing streak has brought them from clear of the pack to kind of the front of the pack, um, which certainly changes things. But the last two years, the Kings have played the Edmonton Oilers in round one, and they've lost in six, and they've lost in seven. Two years ago, no one expected the Kings to make the playoffs. Whatever happened in that series basically didn't matter. It was gravy. Last year, the Kings played the Oilers much tighter in that series, still lost, and you said, okay, now this is no longer, I think, acceptable. And then you get into this year, and the expectations are even higher. So I think that so you can't win a playoff series until you make the playoffs, right? So the Kings have to make the playoffs. That's step one. But I don't think anymore you can build in those same excuses that maybe were had over the last two years in the first round. So the Kings have to find a way to to make some noise in the playoffs. I think that's the next step for this group. We talked at the beginning of this uh, little interview here that Kings fans were probably freaking out, rightfully so, for losing eight in a row. But in the replies and in the mentions you you do see, are a lot of them mentioning that the Oilers have won 10 and the Kraken have won nine? I think they're so in their own bubble here um, that it hasn't really come up. But all of a sudden, you know, the Kings have lost eight in a row. Those streaks have happened. And suddenly, uh, what, 10 to 20 point gap has become one. It's one for both teams. And yeah. Kings do have three games in hand on the Kraken, to be fair. Uh, that is not nothing. But to be one back of the Oilers, uh, when especially how the Oilers started, is is tough. Yeah, I mean, tables have turned, right? So, yeah, I, I think it's in the back of everyone's mind. I, I think that right now the hysteria is mostly about what's going on with the Kings. But kind of like what Greg said with the, you know, the Dubois trade, it certainly doesn't help that the other side of it is doing so well either i just i'm looking at the standings right now and this is reason number seven thousand why i hate the 210 ranking this isn't a knock on the king zach I, I don't mean this to be but the oilers have won more games than the kings 23 to 20 they have lost fewer games than the kings 16 to 19 and they find themselves a point behind the kings that's lunacy to me I don't understand how we allow this to happen every year. Look, if, if I could make one change to the NHL, even if it might hurt the Kings this particular season, it would be a 3-2-1 point system. I think it's the fairest way to award points. Um, and I don't know, at the end of the day, a lot of times it, it probably doesn't impact the final standings too much. But yeah, like that's what it should be, right? It should be if you win in regulation, you get rewarded more for winning in a skills competition or you know a barely level of play in three on three as we talked about earlier uh, the western conference is tough for ye old eastern podcasters and I, we don't get to watch a lot of these games but when we do get to watch some western teams a, a team that stood out to me at least was the canucks and how dominant they were versus the new york rangers and how just incredible they looked all game long 
Has there been a team that stuck, stood out to you in the West, whether it be the Jets or the Canucks or anybody else that you're, you're not only surprised, but you're genuinely scared of? Um, I'm going to say Colorado. Um, not the surprise factor, but the scared of factor. Like the, the Jets have been maybe the best surprise in the league and great on them. And the Kings, I think, split with them earlier in the year. Colorado is interesting because the Kings have also split with the Avs. When the Avs big guys are going all together at once, they're close to unstoppable. Like, I, I don't think that when you have McCarr, Rantanen, and McKinnon all playing at the top of their game, like that team's almost impossible to stop we saw it when they beat the kings i think all three of those guys had three plus points like when they're doing that it doesn't matter who else is behind them like they're going to be in the game and they're probably going to beat you so they're a team that probably can add to that core maybe they get gabriel landiscog back and if they put all those pieces together and their three big guys are healthy and buzzing that's in my opinion the team to beat in the west Zach, I'm always curious, when we bring people on that don't cover the New York Rangers, what their current opinion is of this team. Now, you live in a time zone where you could just watch 4 o'clock hockey, if you so pleased. So I don't know how much of the Rangers you've seen, but what's the general opinion you have these days of New York? Where do they stand in the pecking order for you? So I'm a little probably different than most because you guys know I'm from upstate New York. My dad, my family likes the Rangers. And a lot of my friends like the Rangers. So I probably hear more about the Rangers than I see. Um, As of late, it's been the Rangers suck over the last (laughs) week. Before that, it was like, this team's pretty freaking good when they play the way that they should play. Um, I've seen a handful of games this year. I like the Rangers a lot. I like the way that they've built the team. I like a lot of, not young players anymore, but I like those like, mid-tier 23, 24, 25-year-old players that they have. I find myself really liking uh, Heedle or, you know, Miller or Lindgren, like those kind of guys. I I like the core that they've built there. Um, So I've always been a team who – or I've always been a person who feels the Rangers are in the upper echelon of the league. And when all of their pieces come together, I I see them as one of the best teams in the East. But, like, I don't watch them day to day. They are uh, not healthy currently. Today will be Kapokako's first game in like a month and a half or something like that. And uh, Philip Heedle is yet to return from concussion issues, the speculation. So they're missing two serious middle six players. Uh, a lot of their depth pieces are injured. I think a lot of players are playing injured as well. So super fun times to be a Ranger fan when everything is going wrong and your goalies can't make saves. So that's where we're at now. One of these teams has to win a game, right? One of these teams yeah, has one to of them. beat the other. Um, and it'll probably be a loser point just because... For Greg, it's uh, it's gonna be. Well, I'll probably watch the game on Saturday night because I'm a psychopath. But did, it'll did be. Did you guys see that the Bruins had the chance to do the funny thing yesterday and have a four game road trip where they go o o and four? <laughs> How dare they not do it? <laughs> they won it. They won in overtime because Charlie McAvoy's a dick. But like that's my point. The Bruins would have had a four game losing streak and they would have gotten half the points out of it. That's not They'd normal. Been... We shouldn't be no. living in this world. You take exactly. a two and two uh, trip, right? But you hate an yeah. 0 and 4 trip. I would, I would take a 2 and true trip immediately. But I guess it's, yeah. it is the same amount of points. Um, uh, you're an insider. Where does Upstate New York start? Upstate New York begins above Poughkeepsie. I like yeah. that take. Okay. You can't, if, okay. I would say above Kingston, first of all. But if you can <laughs> get there by train from New York City and it's not Amtrak, it's not Upstate New York. It just isn't. 
This but is Albany is upstate I mean, New York, correct? Albany is upstate New York. It's I used to probably I would maybe even say Albany is like the bottom. I might go like I was using major cities, um, but yeah, I, I would usually I've always said Albany was the bottom, maybe a little bit lower than that, but it's just like there's a lot of hours above Albany, a lot of hours, and people don't realize that. Well, here, here's the real question to test your New Yorkity, uh, Zach. <laughs> Syracuse, do you call that upstate New York? I do not. I call that central. There you go. Zach's that a is, real one. That's so upstate. You okay. know what's funny, uh, though, is like <laughs> Syracuse is in like the northern half of New York, but we, we can't, we can't, that's not, we can't comprehend that. We can't quite do two. We can't do the east, west, and north, south. So it's central New York. We have to leave it at that. Very upstate. Um, incredibly so. Uh, Zach, I, thank you for taking the time today. Greg, do you have any final questions for our dear friend? Yeah, Zach, has Marist ever asked you to come back to talk? Because this they is actually the best that. question. <laughs> <laughs> no, they haven't. And you know what? I submitted my information into their alumni thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd do it. Never, never once. Haven't heard from them. But I also yeah. haven't donated one time. Uh, oh, I me left. either. Yeah, oh, no, no way. Uh, I donated because... when I went there, Zach. Yeah. Oh, I'm still, I'll take that back. I have donated several times, but it's just been <laughs> to repay my education. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I have not heard from them. I would be, available. It would be really funny if we could do a panel one day, like here's three alumni that legitimately cover the NHL. <laughs> huh? How about if it was that? only, there was a way. <laughs> Zach, what, uh, the technology. What, what's, what's the best piece of wisdom I ever gave you when you were a young up and coming sports town major? <laughs> Don't listen to Greg. It might be good. My favorite story with you was um all i heard when i was trying to get into sports broadcasting was that kaplan doesn't let younger guys do play-by-play and then i showed up it was my first game we were calling freaking maris baseball doubleheader and then you were too hungover to do it so you were just like yeah man you just do the play-by-play like i'll i'll, I'll hang out on color and i got to do play-by-play and everyone's like kaplan let you do play-by-play like yeah and i think he i think he had like 15 Bud Lights at Darby's the night before. So he couldn't couldn't handle the play-by-play duties. Zach, if I, I think I remember that game because you were doing play-by-play, and I think I was just reading you players drafted in the NFL draft. <laughs> you, were, you were the most off-topic color man of all time. And I remember that I got, like, the worst sunburn that I've ever had in my life. Like, if you pulled up the sleeve on my polo, it was, like, crayon white skin. And then beat red arm. It was like a thermometer. I looked after doing those games with you. Yeah, I think when people they think if you're doing play by play of a college baseball game, you're in a nice stadium, you're in a press box, you're kind of covered from the elements. When I say Marist's baseball field is literally uncovered outside, <laughs> if you were doing it off a picnic table, that's not an exaggeration. No, it was like it's like a two chairs and a folding table. That uh, who knows how the equipment you know, didn't get damaged over the years with these setups. Like it rains once and the entire budget is gone. It was uh, janky. D1 school, by the way, I'm pretty sure. So there Division you go. One athletics. Hey, you know what? I, I watched the Foxes uh, play basketball at Notre Dame a couple weeks ago. That was kind of cool. They, they played way closer than they ever did in the four years I attended there. <laughs> yeah. The men's I'm, I'm so, our women's team is so bad now. It breaks my heart. What happened? Oh, I that was like all we had. I know Georgia's Georgia's retired last year. They're, I think if I saw correctly, they got their third win of the season this weekend. We're just we're down bad, man. We're the the once proud franchise. 
Oh, the man. third win of the season in January was like, oh yeah, the men's team. Like that, that's <laughs> about when they would get their third win of the year. But <laughs> the tables have turned for Maris basketball. Yeah, you weren't Zach. You were what two years behind us, I think, right? Yeah, I was thirteen. So your freshman year was the infamous the men's team yeah. in twenty four <laughs> season. I didn't see a home win in person until like December sophomore year. Did you guys rush the court? <laughs> there was only six of us there, so no. <laughs> the, no oh, the, shit. The big, we can end on this. The one regret I have is that, man, to this day, I wish the women's basketball team beat Oklahoma when they came oh to my the God. center. Same. Everyone was ready to run the court. Everyone. It would have been a zoo. Oh, it would have been so fun. To this day, that's one of the coolest sporting events I've been to was that Marist Oklahoma game. That was electric. And it was like, who was it? Was it Roethlisberger's sister who hit the three? No, uh, Elijah's daughter. Elijah's daughter hit the hit the three. <laughs> it was like, we were right there. It would have been uh, so great. Unbelievable. Zach, I cannot thank you enough for your taking your time today. Uh, anything you would like to plug? LAKingsInsider.com. I appreciate the page views. Don't actually read the stories. They're not that good, but the traffic <laughs> helps. Traffic helps. Uh, That's what we always yeah. say. Hey, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do this again in June. That'd be cool. Hey, that'd be super fun. Uh, let's cross our fingers because right now, not looking that way. Zach, thank you so no. much. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hey, we're back. That was fun. Talked a lot of shit about Maris. Good times. <laughs> I don't know. We talk a ton of shit on air. I think we did that off. Oh, that was all off air. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. All right. I'm happy. I'm happy. Julie brought up that baseball game. I'm convinced that was the only baseball game I did while at Marist. I, I believe you, or maybe you just don't remember the other ones. There's a good chance. No, I have a. I have a typically good memory when it comes to the game. I called so many basketball games that I don't remember every basketball game I called. But I think I only called one football game with with your buddy Slaps. I only call him my buddy. Um, hey, Slaps. And then I called. <laughs> I called one volleyball game. That was an interesting experience. And, and then, she serves. <laughs> I had no, because so volleyball is also one of those sports where it, it's kind of like tennis where you can't be too talkative on the sideline. So it was a – I don't know why we did it on the radio to this You're day. kind of whispering. It's like, it's like calling the masters except you're screaming in the background. They're all screaming. Yeah. Okay. Fun. <laughs> not, not a good – I'll put it this way, folks. Not a good radio sport. But it – it was a challenge. It made me better in other aspects with other sports. Uh, if you want to leave a five-star question on the show, you go to our Patreon, become a subscriber today, leave a five-star question in the five-star question channel, read it on the show. It's from Mr. Bang Bang. Mm. We find whoever makes is making that damn goalpost sound at MSG broadcast. I hope they step on a Lego in the middle of the night to the bathroom for the rest of their life. Side note, can we get a weekly two-minute segment where Ryan learns about the U.S. president? <laughs> no, on the last one. And, uh... I would say I think this is opposing goalies that end up hitting their stick on the actual goal. I don't post. think it's just opposing goalies. I think MSG has mic'd the posts. Um so any movement in either crease is going to get a ping. But it's so annoying. It it drives me up a wall. This is from Greg's Bardil though. Is oh, Cutter Gauthier now a top five player for Greg for the sole reason he didn't want to play for the Flyers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's I, up there. I, I did this on an OT where the reason I've always had a positive opinion of J.D. Drew is because he did the same thing. Uh, this is from Charlie90. Charlie. 
can you guys compare the defensive core of Henrik's years compared to the past few seasons? Stahl, Girardi, and McDonough were such staples back there, and they seem to prevent most scoring chances from happening but with little offensive abilities. This decor can put up points, but defensively seems weak. Weak might not be the right word, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. It's two not only totally different styles of play, but the league has changed overall. It's not just that the Rangers defense is there. It's all defensive play has had to change because of the way the offensive game of the, of, of the league has changed. Am I, am I kind of on base there, Greg? Yeah, I, I think as the game has evolved, we realize the most important thing a defender can do is start a breakout and their ability to lead a transitional rush kind of trumps, doesn't trump everything they do in their own zone, but the most important quality a defenseman could have is preventing the puck from getting in their own zone. And the most effective way to do that is to have good puck handling skills and be able to move your team up the ice effectively, which, you know, that, that wasn't Mark Stahl or Dan Girardi or Kevin Klein's game. Um, and the Rangers, the Rangers built a roster that was good at playing in front of Henrik Lundqvist and knowing they only needed three goals to win. And as much as we love Igor Shesterkin, I think this Ranger core understands the more goals, the better. So why not score as much as you can? I guess kind of to ask you, we watch a lot of other teams as well. There's just not a lot of those particular defenders left. No. um, Like the Victor Hedman is probably a dying breed at this point. Jacob Trouba is probably the closest the Rangers have to that kind of player. Yes. And even he's considered more of an offensive defenseman. Despite his offensive game not flourishing in New York. Yes. Well, it doesn't exactly. That's the beauty of it. Right, uh, because Adam Fox exists. Yeah, like, there are no more Dustin Bufflins in the world. Dion Phaneuf is another guy. He's he's an endangered species. Um, yeah, I think when, you're, when your headmans retire, I don't know. Because even a guy like Sergachev, he's a guy that tries to move the puck as quickly up the ice as humanly possible. I mean, look at look at all the top defensemen in the league right now. McCarr, Quinn Hughes. They are not Ryan McDonough types. Maybe Warren Sider is a bit of an old school defenseman. Kind even of. He, even he has more offensive ability than those three guys. Yeah. You just, when you think of the top defensemen, the, the Miro Heskinens, the, the McCars, the Quinn Hughes, you think of highly talented puck moving defense. Charlie McAvoy, same thing. Roman Yossi. Um, you know, this is the Eric Carlsonification of the NHL. Yeah, and it's not it, it's it's on purpose that defensemen aren't playing that way anymore because they found out teams that do that do not win the same way when the other teams have more offensive ability. Yeah. The league is becoming more and more skilled. I'll compare it to the NBA real quick. The NBA ten years ago, games were, you know, a high scoring game was like one ten to one oh seven. Some teams are scoring 135 a night average right well, now. Well, the NBA figured out that a three-point shot is worth more than a two-point shot. Right. And, and the NHL has figured out that scoring goals matters a lot more, and the, well, and the skill has the, become incredible. The NHL has figured out that if you lead the league in blocked shots and hits, that means you lead the league in not having the puck. Yes. So, <laughs> Which is Tortorella, uh, you know, the style of, of play that he's now adjusted to over the years. Yeah, that's like a big reason I cringe every time – because it gets brought up on any broadcast you listen to. You listen to the Rangers. You li- I, I, like you, listen to the NHL Network feed being out of New York yesterday. Everyone's like, boy, Nick Benino leading the league in shots. And I'm just like, boy, Nick Benino 
Not having the puck a whole lot. Yeah. Where's the puck? Oh, going against his body. Oh, no, the Rangers don't have the puck and Nick Bonino's uh, on the ice. That's interesting to me. Turns out when you have the puck, you're more likely to win if you have the puck more of the time. Wow. You know, Ryan, I think you really broke something there. I did. This is from Inferno272. Gun to your head. What's our lineup look like for game one of the playoffs, assuming no injuries and Kako and Heedle do come back? Uh, we don't really, we can't do this right now because there's so much, there's trades to be happening. I think we're, they have 11 of the 12 forwards they would like. If people think they're adding multiple forwards, I just think you're nuts. I do. I think they're adding two. No, I think you're nuts. Uh, well, I guess if Heedle comes back, they cannot add two. They can add one. I think even if Heedle doesn't come back, you, what we're talking about is if Heedle doesn't come back, you're going for one higher quality forward versus if Heedle does come back, you're going for one bottom six defensively minded forward. If Heedle's back, he's on the third line. So the top line is as is right now. Kako on the top right. Let's just say no trades happen at all. The top two lines are exactly the same. Yep. Then it's Heedle, Cooley, VC. No, I think, I think that third... Heedle, whoever the the line that's missing a piece is the third line, and you're either adding a center or a winger. Mm-hmm. And I think the fourth line becomes, or you're adding a top right winger uh, for the first line, and Kako's going to have the third. No, I don't think you're at. I again, I don't think you financially speaking, you're not adding that. And I also think we've seen the fit. I don't think you're tinkering too much with the top six at this point. Now that it's back and healthy. Um, and then your bottom line, it's going to be some combination of Goodrow, Pitlick, Wheeler, and Bonino, and VC. You're going to be five guys for three spots. Yeah. That's a good problem to have, though. Inferno also asked me to pronounce the name K-J-E-L-L, so Kajel? Kajel Samuelson? No chance that's correct. That's cr- that's. There's no chance. There's I no that's, Shell? Probably. Probably Shell. I just, I'm thinking of Shea. Brady Shea? Yeah. yeah. Shell. There's no S, though. All right. Um, this James K. Polk, fucker, fucker, <laughs> asks, so the Jimmy Howard question got me thinking the opposite. Is there a Rangers equivalent of David Price on the Red Sox versus the Yankees? A guy who was so bad against us, he gets cheered at Yankee Stadium. I don't know if there's like a guy that we're so good against. Gary Price never scared me, um, but I would never cheer if he was in the lineup. Yeah. Um, who? Uh, Jari? Like... No, because even Jari's had a couple games where he's looked. He's had good. a couple games where he's good, but this one's tough. I, I don't really know. Um, There's not a guy we own in that sort of way. But I, I'm I sure other teams will say we own them, but we don't. I've always been better at knowing what guys own me versus me knowing what guys my team owns. Yeah, like I think there'll there'll be nights in February where I just wake up at night and go. The Mets can't get a fucking hit off you, Darvish. Can't do it. I don't know what it is. They can't do it. Um, haunts me to this day. But I I can't. Like, Alonzo has ridiculous numbers, I think, in Philadelphia. But I never remember it until he shows up in Philadelphia. Right. It's like, oh, he hits 350 here for no reason. I think it. I his he might hit 500 in Philly. That's insane. Yeah, his, his numbers are absurd. I'm going to actually, while we're talking, I'm going to. Do a quick baseball reference here. Sounds good. Uh, I, I would just say overall, I, I I can't think of a goalie that we own in that way. There's just like teams overall, like the Hurricanes for a really long time, which the Rangers owned for about 10 years. It just never won. Things have changed, obviously, but uh, it was just constant. That was the one team I could think of. 
Oh, I've con- uh, I've confused uh, Philadelphia with Washington. In got every it. seven career starts for Alonzo, he's got twenty five homers in Washington. That is a nuts number. <laughs> he has a ten fifty one OPS career in Washington. The only places he has a higher OPS are stadiums he hasn't played in more than eleven times. This is from Jamie's with the Royal Rumble coming up. Which NYR player would most likely? join the WWE, what would their walkout song be? Is Chris Kreider? Uh, would just be silent. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, hold on. I'm, I'm stuck on Pete. I found a ballpark he crushes in more. Okay, go for it. I don't know what the Cubs ever did to Pete Alonzo, but in 14 games, he has eight home runs at Wrigley Field. That with seems... A, with an 816 um, slugging percentage. My man sees the Ivy and just says, I need to hit that ball. Oh... <laughs> uh, which Ranger would do best in the Royal Rumble? Or which would be most likely to join the WWE and what's their walkout song? So there are three schools of thought here. One is Chris Kreider. Just that's yep. a school of thought. Forget it. Move on. Two would be Jacob Truba's more in the mold of your typical Vince McMahon era big guy. Um, well, you would why does Alexi Lafreniere he... feel like an AEW wrestler? I don't know why he feels that way. Lafreniere? Yeah. No, he, he feels, feels more AEW like a manager. Yeah. Okay. Um, like Matt Rempe would be primed for this, but he's not on the Rangers. So if it's not big body Jacob Truba, you know, Adam Fox has a little like Adam Cole in him. I see some similarities. Adam Fox, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is from Jay White. Greg, with the Golden Globes done and the Oscars around the corner, what's your best picture this year? I mean, Oppenheimer is the best picture I've seen, and I know I'm a. I'm probably going to win. It's a lock for saying that. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you the movie I'm most looking forward to, and I hope it's nominated because I haven't been able to see it yet. You heard of the Zone of Interest? Never heard of it. Don't even know what it is. It's a. Um, it's a movie about a German family living outside the walls of Auschwitz. Oh. Uh, and like the father, I think, is a commandant at Auschwitz, and it's their experience of World War II. Dying, sounds, dying to see it. I, it sounds it, very hard to watch. Yeah, I, I, Jeff has seen it and loves it, and I'm dying to see it. I also want to see Poor Things. That's getting a lot of good buzz. Was hoping to see it this week while I'm in Savannah. Savannah is not showing any good fucking movies down here, and it's really pissing me off. Um, such an East Coast elite thing to show good movies. Jeez. I know. And then Amer- American Fiction is another one that I'm really wanting to see uh, that is getting re-released recently, but... Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a basic white bitch. Uh, Oppenheimer was the best movie I saw. I really liked Asteroid City, though. I don't I think Asteroid that's City. enough buzz. I don't think it's going to get nominated, but it was fantastic. Uh, we had two people ask, uh, Nick D, and also uh, I want to make, make sure you see Nuggies. Uh, how far are we from the Truba helmet throw again? I just don't think we're at that point. <laughs> this, no. team, like, isn't, this team believes in themselves still. They're not frustrated. I mean, they're frustrated. But they're frustrated, like, but they're not down. Yeah, they don't... It, it, it's... Last year, Truba didn't think the team was giving a shit. This year, the problem isn't giving a shit. It's like they have moments where they get a little too frustrated for their own good, and they make silly mistakes. This is from Mike Koenig. Did Greg mean Troika instead of Triorca? Troika instead of Triorca, yeah. I fucking Okay. And you didn't correct me for it. So that's Bonus question. How mad are you missing the chance to finally give Greg uh, for mispronouncing something? I can't. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> so it's hard for me to to give him shit yeah i should say any word and you'll assume it's a word incorrect uh that's true 
Uh, this is from David. You were locked in a room with Henry Kissinger, John Franco, and Chase Utley. Who gets it first? <laughs> it's probably Chase Utley no, for Greg. I shoot for- Utley three times. Uh, I can take Kissinger. I don't need a gun for Kissinger. Yeah. I don't I get drinks afterwards, man. I'm letting him out. That's Franco for me. This is from Talking to Seamus. Live sports. ESPN Plus Originals. The complete 3030 library. Exclusive articles and stories. All right. That's the only question. This is from Tyler. I hate hockey and i'm not enjoying my winter sports that being said what has to change i guess overall i don't know they have to get a little luckier with these goalies uh, yeah they would say like the, having an expected goal of seven and probably scoring on some of those like the finishing could be better tyler there's there's a lot there for for them to have and they haven't been able to eat and finish their plate uh, Allie Rangers left like three different questions here. So I'm going to just read the first one. So many people on X slash Twitter are angry calling for trade moves, getting mad that ha- uh, moves haven't happened. Actually, I don't understand that question. Can I go on a little bit of a rant? Yeah, please. We as a society need to oh, stop reacting to scouts being at games. Yeah, I agree. Uh, not, I'm going to throw someone under, I don't want to throw them under the bus, but you, one of our friends that I'm very close with, I interact with Twitter on a lot. Um, was like, hey, I heard we have scouts at the game. And I'm like, dude, it does not matter. <laughs> so they're at every game, dude. Oh, they, remember, there are like, not only do the Rangers potentially want to maybe make a trade in the future, and that's true. The Rangers also have to play all these teams in the NHL. And in order to be best prepared to play specific teams in the NHL that are coming up on the Rangers' schedule, you have to go see them play. That's the actual job of a scout. The Rangers being at Red Wings Maple Leafs doesn't mean the Rangers are definitely trading for one of the players on the Red Wings of the Maple Leafs. And everybody who wanted Daniel Sprung, need I remind you that the Red Wings are going for it this year? I don't know why they would trade Daniel Sprung when they are trying to win hockey games. I just, I don't, I just want to stop. First of all, we need to stop tweeting that scouts are in attendance. I would assume a scout is at every game, hopefully. Because the Rangers have the money for it. So it it was a gotcha tweet, but then everybody overreacted to it thinking the trade was actually going to happen. Guys, the scout's doing his job. He had to go see the Red Wings, and he had to go see the Maple Leafs because those are opponents coming up on the Rangers' schedule. And there was eight eight scouts there, and the reason there was eight scouts there is because there was only two NHL games that night. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, It it is. I, I think this is something that you and I, and I'm not trying to yell at everyone, we thought this was a big deal years ago. We're like, holy shit. At least I did. Holy shit. There's scouts at this game. There might be something up. And then we kind of got told in private, like, no, dude, there's scouts at every game. Like, don't, don't read into this. So that's uh, I really. Think, I do want to say, Ryan, I think that one was a strictly you thing. I remember three years ago, I, probably just me. I think you might have yelled at me at the time, <laughs> but I was like, oh, there's scouts at this game. Something might be happening. And then I talked to a bunch of smart people in the NHL and they were like, nah, dude, every game has a ton of scouts at it. Literally yeah. everyone. And this, this, listen, I'm not saying the Rangers for sure 100% won't make a trade with either the Red Wings or the Maple Leafs. But it's also the inverse where maybe the Maple Leafs or the Red Wings have asked the Rangers about a certain player. So then they send a scout over there to be like, well, if you want him, we want X. But could be millions of reasons why a scout is at a game. The real reason why a scout is at a game is because it's his fucking job. It's not because they're making a trade. Uh, Allie's question is, in summary, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Is is she dumb for thinking that Drury is smart for not making moves yet? Or are people on Twitter being mad and dumb that he hasn't? Allie, it is the latter. Welcome to hell. <laughs> and uh, don't worry. they Most teams don't make it trades till almost the deadline because of the financials. 
and people just get angry and want to trade players that are very good for very little for players who can't play very quickly because it makes them feel better. But also, and that is again, the, 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 the biggest reason why a big trade hasn't happened yet is we've only played half the season and most teams don't actually know what their biggest need is yet. Yep. We, we know the Rangers need a forward. We still don't know what type of forward the Rangers need because we have this big old injured question mark in Phil Heedle. And Alias uh, rather says, to clarify, it's not that I don't think there are things to fix. I just don't see why you'd fix them right now without being to real, do real cap math and without knowing what the team's buyers and sellers are. But what the hell do I know? Ali, you know a lot. Congratulations. Yeah. You nailed it. You might have an internal fix as well. Someone might catch fire that you least expect. Did you think at this time last year that Jimmy VC would be a super important New York Ranger moving forward, Ryan? This time last year? We're getting there. Not yet. Very close. Very close. Uh, from Remy, what are the red flags going to the second West Coast trip minus the Seattle game on Tuesday? Uh, uh, a lot of us I, won't be able to stay I, up and watch them. Yeah, yeah. Buck drops after 10 o'clock. That's a red Yeah, 10.30 games for the Kings. <laughs> that's, just, that's the red flag. Uh, obviously, the Seattle Kraken had a nine-game win streak. They lost. They've since lost. I think uh, the Rangers are, by the way, favored. This is not an ad drop, but might as well say it. They were favored versus the uh, Seattle Kraken. Uh, seemingly, the the sports books and obviously the betters still think the Rangers are the better team, despite the recent run for the Seattle Kraken. They probably are the better team. The Rangers tend to do pretty well on West Coast trips. I don't know why. They, they tend to get regrouped and do pretty well. I don't know if Jacob Trouba is going to make the trip, at least at first. They did just have a newborn child. It wouldn't surprise me. And then Zach Jones might, my, one of my concerns is that Jones and Schneider, whenever they get started, they usually get exposed for at least a game or two. So that might be a case. Yeah, I got no red flags. Um, again, I, it's not that we're not frustrated or weren't frustrated during the four game losing streak. I just didn't think yep. the ceiling was falling in on me either. Yep. It's from Michael Santa, 816. Final question. Rank these New York player acquisitions from most bad to least bad. Carl Pavano, Jacoby Ellsbury, Kaz Matsui, Jason Bay, and Eddie Curry. Uh, most bad was Ellsbury because I think Ellsbury legitimately prevented really good Yankee teams from making additional moves. And they paid him a lot for a long time. Yeah. So not not only just really good Yankee teams, but teams that Probably could have been good, but couldn't because Jacoby Ellsbury was there. Second bad is Jason Bay because not only was he bad with the Mets, the Mets were given a choice to sign either Bay or Matt Holiday, and they made the wrong choice. Am I wrong to think that Eddie Curry is last place here? Yeah, I think Curry, You get the Knicks gave up way too much. The trade itself was bad, but Curry had a couple good years with the Knicks. And also the Knicks, like, even if Curry was really good, they weren't doing anything. No. The, well, they lost a lot. The problem why they weren't doing anything is the draft picks they gave up to get Curry. I understand, but they were cursed at the time. Yeah, I mean, I'd I, put Pavano third um, just because so bad from the jump. You know, I don't I, remember the Cavs uh, acquisition. Well, I, I remember it because the Mets thought Matsui was going to be his great big thing and Jose Reyes was going into his second season and the Mets moved Reyes off shortstop to make room for Matsui. Reyes immediately gets hurt in making the transition to second base and then Matsui himself stank. So I get it, it, it but, you know, that was just money. I, I'm not really worried about – the Mets didn't give anything up to get Kaz Matsui and Jose Reyes eventually became a really good baseball player. So. 
I don't put that one lightly. But yeah, Curry was injured a lot with the Knicks. He had, I think, two fine seasons. Um, but they gave up so many lottery picks for Curry, where I get it. It's not great. That's the show. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back with BSPOT later this week, probably Wednesday, if I had to guess. <laughs> you don't want to do late, late, late night version after a game? No. <laughs> probably after the Kraken game on Wednesday, we'll do something. Who knows? But uh, stay tuned. We'll be back next week. Uh, love you guys. Talk to you then. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show, so you know what I do here. I misread names. That's right. Ryan Mead and reading names, not a good combination. We do it every end of the episode. Why do we do it? Because this episode and all episodes are not possible without our top Patreon supporters, and actually all of our Patreon supporters, if I'm being frankly honest with you. But without further ado, here's our NHL Insider Club members, who I spend most of the day talking to every single day, and who've become actually really good friends of mine. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cortulo, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Amber Cohensberger, Andrew Rauner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Monturo, Anthony Tenegretta, really good friends of mine who I still can't pronounce their name. Uh, Ari Zanger, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Allison, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Mag- Brandon Magnum, Brooke Ranger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Do- Doherty, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy, Cassidy, Rollman, CJ, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Stellwag, and Convertive Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dizan, David Narodin, David Siegel, DJ Benanjas, Dar- Dylan Brettschneider, Eric Stagg, Garrett, Garrett Rins, Greg, Greg, Gretzky McFly, Harrison Haskell, Hill Vanilla, Hippip89, Jack Bagley, Jack Rogan, Jack Keith, James Masker, Jerry and Marquez, Going to the next page. Jason Stumer, Jason Zabraski, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestebaum, Josh White, Chris of Florida, Kreider Dial, La- uh, Lee Plummer, Leshik Gronowski. Whoa, did I just mess that up? Le- Leshik. Why did I say it? that was weird, man? Oh, I hate myself so much. Leshik Gronowski. Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwood, Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cat, Michael Koenig, Mike Bucklaw, Mike, Mike Man. Kuzu, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, Ponsford Prez, Nicholas Tinicola, Other Slash, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Paul, Pavel Kodarev. That's how you don't say it. That's not as right. Hey, Pavel, good luck on your next endeavor, man. I really appreciate you. Phoenix Edition, PJ Sisbaro, Randy Tesser, Ryan Watch Miracle. Yes, yes, yes. Swingart, The Drop BK, Tommy Seclair, Tommy Dedeshi, Tommy O'Neill, Tony Gregory, Tony, Tori from Manhattan, Vinny Bracco, Will Specter, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Bark, 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 bark. End of the episode. Oh, man. It's just funny to watch Ranger games when just things aren't going right. They're so much more stressful than they need to be. I was talking to Connor about this uh, on Twitter. It's like, dude, I was ripping my hair out watching that game on Sunday and Saturday. Just like, this is supposed to be my enjoyable time. And yet, uh, January Ranger games are making me sweat and throw things and complain. And people tell me regular season hockey doesn't matter. And I probably say it to you sometimes. Just make it to the playoffs and get from there. But some of those games are just so frustrating. Oh, my God. It's only frustrating because I think this team is really great. Not only two weeks ago was I coming on this podcast and saying, this team needs to do it. They need to. Uh, right now, there's there's some things to address. We mentioned them on the show. So let's see how the next couple weeks play out. Good luck staying up this week. Uh, there's a lot of late games. So that'll be fun. I will definitely stay up for the Saturday night game. The Thursday night game, probably not going to make it. Turns out I have to work on Friday. Who knew? Uh, so we'll see there. Anyway, love you guys. Hope you guys had a wonderful, hopefully long weekend. If you haven't, uh, if you get some rest soon. And we will talk to you guys later in the week on BSBOT. Uh, Thursday? No, Wednesday afternoon. There you go. All right. Love you guys. Bye.